You're now tuning in to our GrowPoint Dumaguete podcast, where it's all about relationships. We exist to glorify God by making disciples in the spirit of love. Blessed Sunday, everybody, and welcome once again to GrowPoint Dumaguete Worship at Home. Before we come into God's Word, let's join our hearts together in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing for this time. Dear Lord, Thank you for this life that you have given to us. We thank you for saving us from sin, death, and hell, for giving us spiritual life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. By dying and rising again on the third day, you have completely and fully and eternally paid for all of our sins. We thank you that we will no longer Go to hell as the punishment for our sins. We have life in heaven and we will be with you in heaven for all eternity. Thank you for the assurance of our salvation. We also want to thank you that we are part of a church where we can learn about you. We can learn from your word, where we can pray together and praise your name, where we can enjoy fellowship and we can receive support in prayer and even practical help in times of need. We thank you for this church family. Lord, we desire to be a church where no one stands alone. We desire to be a church that would live up to our tagline that indeed it's all about relationships. So God, I pray that you would use this time and instruct and inspire us from your word to pursue community, biblical Christian community as a church family. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, we will continue with our series, Rooted and Grounded, and the title of my message is simply, Be Committed. In the previous message, we concluded that the small group community is the best environment for spiritual growth and development. After we carefully considered three major reasons, we mentioned about the theological reason, the sociological reason, and the organizational reason making the small group as the best environment for growth and development. So we said that we must be connected. Once we get connected to a small group, we need to take the next step, and that is to be committed to grow together, to glow together, and to go together for the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. As Christians, we are to be enjoying life together. And I wanted to use that word life, L-I-F-E, as our guide for this message. Yes, I agree that at times we need to endure, but we have hope in God. And we hope to be able to find reasons to remain joyful, even in the midst of the most trying circumstances in life. If we are connected to a group of believers who care for us, who pray for us, who will not leave us alone, okay? who will share with our struggles in life, things and the burdens become less overwhelming and less intimidating because we know that there is a community of loving people who will never leave us alone. As I have said, we are not to live the Christian life alone. We are not to struggle alone. And we are not to celebrate our victories alone. We have a church family who will help us carry our burdens and celebrate our blessings. 
John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, listen to the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Well, the Lord Jesus was so clear in giving this command to all of those who would be his disciples and followers. By the way, that includes you and me. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a disciple. You are a believer. If you have made that commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and learn from him, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Master, as your shepherd, and you are a follower, and you are a disciple. And Jesus says, because you are my disciple, because you are my follower, you need to learn to love your fellow believers in the same way that I have loved you. We are to be known as a church, not just for our Bible theology, not just for our doctrinal beliefs, not just for our standards and convictions, not just by the boldness in witnessing for Christ, not just in our faithfulness to the Lord, but for our Christ-like love for one another. By this, the world will know that you are my followers. The kind of love that results in Holy Trinity level of unity that was prayed for by the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 17. The kind of love that results in us becoming so willing to make sacrifices for one another, to bear one another's burden, to pray for one another, to worship and serve the Lord together, and to stand for Jesus Christ as one body of Christ. The kind of love that makes us willing to give up things and sacrifice it for the others. After all, we are one big eternal family. We are brothers and sisters by the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ is thicker than the blood of our parents. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself said this in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 46, down to verse 50. He said he was still speaking to the crowds when suddenly his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Now listen to the Lord's reply. Jesus replied to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, that person is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, Jesus was giving more importance. He was, you know, he was trying to point out the value of the brotherhood, the value of the family, the spiritual family in God. Now, let's take a, look, take a look at the example of the first Christian church. Uh, let's look at how they cared for one another and how they lived, you know, as a community of disciples and followers and believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2 and we will read beginning in verse 44 down to verse 47. Listen to this. Now, all the believers were together. All the believers were together. And what did they do? They held all things in common. 
They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone has a need. Did you catch that? They sold their piece of land. They sold properties. For what reason? In order to meet the need of those brothers and sisters, you know, who are in need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. The power of their testimony. The power of their unity. The power of their love for one another, their worship to God, their fellowship as one body of Christ, their commitment to the Lord, and their commitment to one another. God used that, and in the end, in the end, the Lord added to them those who are being saved. That's the Acts Church, and that's the model church. We will take our pattern from the Acts Church. We should be, as I've said this before, we should be a first century church in the 21st century. In other words, we are to be this church in the 21st century, applying the principles, using the philosophies, and following the practices of that first century church. We'll talk more about that in our upcoming series a few weeks from now in called Empowered Witness. And what is that one thing that we can learn from the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can learn from the apostles and the first century Christian church? And here's what we can learn. And here's the main idea of this message. The main idea is this, that the church is a spiritual family where nobody stands alone. That's what we can see. You know, we can learn from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we can learn from the Acts church. That's what we can learn from the apostles and the first Christians in the Bible. They were a church family and nobody was standing alone for Jesus Christ. They were together. They were together as one body of Christ. Many years ago, I read that in some parts of the United States, we can find these gigantic redwood trees or sometimes they're called the sequoia trees. They are tall and massive. You can even Google that, okay, and learn about these trees. I mean, these trees are steady. These trees are stable, and they're standing so tall and so strong. They can be, it said, they can be as tall as 300 feet, and they can be as big as 40 feet in circumference. And they can live as long as 2,500 years. I mean, these are massive trees. You can Google and sometimes these trees would be, you know, on, on, the, on the very spot where they constructed the road. And they bore a hole on the tree itself so that the road passes through the tree. That's how huge these trees are. And when you look at these trees... These giant trees, you may think to yourself, man, these trees must have really, really deep and massive roots. But we might be surprised because according to that article, these trees, you know, as, as tall as they are, you know, these giant trees, they don't really have a very, you know, deep root system. 
The secret to their stability, the secret to their strength, even though they're so tall, but their, their roots are not so deep, is this. Okay? These trees are able to stand not because of their massive root system, but because they grow in grooves. In other words, their roots are intertwined with the tree near it. When the strong winds blow, they hold each other up. They can stand and they can be steady and they can be strong when the strong winds and the storms will come, even though their roots are not that deep because they hold one another. They hold one another. And this is a picture of how God wants His own children to live their Christian lives. He wants us to be holding each other up. To be connected with each other so we can grow tall and big and we can go on for many years. The church can grow and can go on for many years if we the members will hold one another up. We call that community and it begins by understanding that we are one. We are one body. We have one Father. We have one Spirit. We have one Savior. We have one Lord. We have one faith. We have one baptism. We have one Message one, mission, we'll go to one, the same heaven. We are one family in the Lord. We are one body of Christ. The Christian community is a spiritual family unit, a group of people with a common bond in Christ and a fellowship for mutual edification and accountability. We are the body of Christ. And with that in mind, here at Grow Point Dumagiri, we want to be a church family where nobody stands alone. As we have learned last week, we were created in and for community. As God's image bearers, we have what we call the community gene. We have the relational DNA. We were created and we are wired. We are designed to be dependent upon God as our Father and Creator and to be interdependent with one another as different members of the same body of Christ. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, when we are united, when we are one, and when we are holding one another up, we can grow and be mature and be transformed into Christ-likeness. Life is all about relationships. It really is. We were made to be dependent upon God, our Father and our Creator, as I've said earlier, and we were made to be interdependent upon one another as members of the same body of Christ. The great commandments said, I mean, that Jesus said, Okay, Jesus, the great commandments are this. The first is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second is what? To love others as you love yourself. And every other commandment in Scripture hangs on these two commands. Life is all about our relationship with God and our relationship with others around us, both believers and unbelievers. And in these two relationships, as we have mentioned and emphasized in this series, we are to grow deeper and deeper. And as we have learned, small group community is the best environment to grow spiritually. Okay? It's a small group community. And so, here in Grow Point Magari, we will be launching very soon, or relaunching, I should say, the small group. And we call it our life groups okay life groups 
So the question for us this morning is this. When we connect to a life group, since we have hopefully established that you know, this is the best environment for us to grow spiritually, if we are to connect to a life group, a small group community here in Grow Point Dumaguete, what are we actually committing to? What are we committing to? And here's what I would say. When we commit to a life group, we commit to enjoy life, L-I-F-E, together. We are to enjoy life together. Most of these principles, I would, I would like to say this, most of these principles that I'm about to share with you are better caught than taught. Okay? In other words, it will be better for you to um, experience these principles when applied. You will, you, will ha- you will better understand what I will be saying. So what we will do this morning is that you listen as much as, uh, as possible, learn as much as possible, take down notes, and then decide. This is the most important thing. Decide to be part of a life group. Decide in your heart. I want to be part of a life group. So you listen to this message, you take down notes, but the most important decision you can make is to be part of a life group. Only then will these principles come alive. Only then will you be able to appreciate these principles and understand them better when you experience them in an actual life group community. Okay, here in Grow Point Dumagari. So when we say life group, we commit to enjoying life, L-I-F-E, together. L stands for lovingly encourage and edify one another. Lovingly encourage and edify one another. This is referring to our fellowship and ministry within the church. So what, how can we lovingly and encourage one another? Well, we need to apply the one another's of the New Testament. Here are the one another's. If you, if you don't know the one another's, let me give you the one another's in the New Testament. If we can do and apply the one another's by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can lovingly encourage and edify one another. The first one another is to love one another. In other words, care for one another intentionally. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. We are to love the brethren. We are to care for the brethren. Remember, we are brothers and sisters by the blood of Christ. As I've said earlier, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is thicker than the blood of our parents. In other words, think about this. You and I, if you're a believer, I'm a believer, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, you and I are brothers and sisters. And we will be together forever. We are brothers and sisters for all eternity. That will never change. We are the eternal family of God. And so if we love our earthly brothers and earthly sisters and earthly family all the more, Okay, dapat, we need to learn to love our eternal family in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you heard the, the words of the Lord Jesus. Okay? When his earthly mother and brothers were there, he even pointed out that, hey, the real brothers and sisters, the real mother that I have are those who do the will of God. And what is the will of God? That anyone who looks on the Son will have eternal life. Those who would believe in Jesus Christ, okay, they are our eternal family. And we need to love one another. Let's learn to love one another as we should. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That's the standard. 
Okay? That Jesus set for our love for one another. And how did Jesus love us? He loved us sacrificially. He loved us unconditionally. He loved us faithfully until the end. He will continue to love us. So, to lovingly edify and encourage one another, we need to learn to love one another. Secondly, forgive one another. In other words, we are to pursue unity. In the book of Ephesians, we are told to endeavor to keep the unity in the church, within the body of Christ, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the Bible says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Remember this, there is no perfect church. And within the church body, okay, which is composed of, you know, saved individuals, by the way, some of them are not saved as well, even though, they are in the church. Ideally speaking, okay, when you talk about the church, it should be all believers. But the reality is there are those who come to church who are not yet believers. But even if we're all believers, remember this. Okay, we still have the flesh. We're still battling against the flesh. And there will be times when we will hurt and offend one another with our words and actions. Okay, so there will be time, you know, you can, there will be time when someone says something and someone does something that will hurt your feelings and will offend you. So we need to learn to forgive one another. Instead of, you know, avoiding the brother or, you know, isolating yourself or marginalizing some people in the church because you don't like them because of the things that they said or did to you, you need to learn to release them. You need to learn to let go and let God take over. Forgive them. Forgive them in the same way that God has forgiven you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're going to lovingly edify and encourage one another, we need to love one another and we need to learn to forgive each other. Thirdly, we need to serve one another. In other words, we are to minister actively. Look for what you know, what you can do and how you can help, how you can bless others in the church. Instead of always thinking of how the church can bless you, how the church can, you know, minister to you, why don't you think about how you can minister and bless others in the church? How can you encourage others? How can you, you know, help or perhaps disciple a new believer? Those who are struggling with some sins probably. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Serve one another. By the way, we were given by, you know, by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself with His own example in John chapter 13. He washed His disciples' feet. He took the role of the lowest of all the servants. To serve his disciples as an example for us to follow. We are to be foot washers. So seek for opportunities to bless others in the church. Serve one another using your spiritual gift. To benefit the body of Christ. Fourth, submit to one another. In other words, consider others as better than yourself. Okay? Esteem others highly. Philippians chapter 2, uh, chapter two rather, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says... Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but 
In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Consider the other people around you. Consider them and submit to them. You know, when we exercise humility towards each other, there is peace, there is unity, and of course, there will be joy in our fellowship. Submit to one another. That's encouraging, by the way. That's edifying, too. And then letter E, encourage one another. This is the fifth. Encourage one another. In other words, what, what I mean by this is we are to cultivate authentic accountability. Let's be accountable to one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, down to verse 25. The Bible says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's being accountable to one another. There is a misconception when we talk about accountability. Some people think that accountability means you have someone as your police watching over you all the time. Checking on you all the time, where you go, where you, you know, who you go with, what you're doing, what you're watching, and what you're eating, what you're wearing, and so on and so forth. No, you know, that may include that, but that's not all there is in accountability. In fact, that's not the main thing in accountability. Accountability means, you know, we, we take responsibility, you know, to be careful with our actions, to be careful with our words, to be careful where we go and what we do, because we understand that we have brothers and sisters who will be affected by our own testimony. You're being accountable to other people. And it's also allowing others, okay, allowing others to help you. Keep watch of your own spiritual life. You can do that by allowing them to ask you a certain set of questions if you want, just to keep you accountable. So we need to encourage one another to cultivate accountability. And then lastly, we need to be devoted to one another, which means to commit wholeheartedly, to be loyal to one another, to be genuine in our love. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And then verse 10, listen to this. Love one another with brotherly affection. And I like the last part. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. In other words, don't be just a friend in good times. Be there, especially during times of trouble. Be genuine. Commit wholeheartedly to one another. So that's the first Letter, letter L for life. Lovingly encourage and edify one another. That's our fellowship and ministry in the church. Let's move on to letter I. Letter I stands for intentionally engage and evangelize the world. Intentionally engage and evangelize the world. So <laughs> I know some of you, when, when you hear that, you say, oh, I do that with a life group. Yes, you do that with a life group. Life group is not just a club. It's not just, you know, a fellowship group. Life group includes being, you know, on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we should not remove the Great Commission in all of our activities. Someone has said this, 
that, you know, as a Christian, if we're going to be responsible disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should make our decisions around the Great Commission. Because that's the only reason why we're still here on this earth. We're here because there are people who need to be evangelized. If we have no purpose okay, in connection to the Great Commission, the Lord might as well bring us home to heaven. Because fellowship is perfect in heaven. Worship is, fellow, uh, is perfect in heaven. But one thing that we can do in this life that we could no longer do in heaven, and that is to evangelize the lost. So how do we do that? How do we engage and evangelize the world intentionally? First, we need to commit to pray to God fervently. We need to pray that God will open hearts and that God will open doors. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul said, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Of course, that's the gospel on account of which I am in prison. So Paul was giving his prayer request. Would you please pray for me that God will open doors? But of course, you know, beyond that, it's not just the opportunity. It's not just the open door. We want God to open hearts. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That God would give us, you know, the right words to say. That God will enable us to preach the gospel clearly and accurately because that's where the power is. So pray to God fervently. Secondly, pursue the lost relentlessly. What do I mean by that? We need to pray for them and then we need to care for them. Pursue them relentlessly. Never stop pursuing the lost. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, we need to pray for them. Why? Because the Bible says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan, the devil, has blinded the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. So we need to pray for God to enlighten them, to illumine them, to, you know, give light to their blinded eyes, to open their eyes, enlighten them. They may realize their need of Jesus Christ and they may be enlightened that Jesus alone is the Savior. So, pray for them and then care for them. Care for them enough to pursue them. Care for them enough to go after them. Care for them enough to seek after them. That's, that was the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember his story you know, um, with this encounter with Zacchaeus. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now listen to his words. Okay? Jesus came to seek, to look for them, to go after them, to pursue them. And as a Christian church and as Christians, I think the greatest battle this day is to come out of our comfort zones. We are too comfortable. You know, we are too, you know, too happy with where we are as Christians. We are too blessed with our assurance of salvation that we could care less for the lost and the dying world around us. And may God revive our hearts. May God set our hearts on fire. May He give us a broken heart 
for the lost and the dying world. So pursue the lost relentlessly. Pray for them and go after them. Go after them. Seek for the, for the lost. And then lastly, proclaim the gospel dependently. Proclaim the gospel dependently. So when God opens the door, when God opens the heart, when God will lead you to that person who needs to hear the gospel, when God is ready to, you know, um, reach out to that person, proclaim the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we say proclaim the gospel dependently, we mean that we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit of God because it's the Holy Spirit who will bring conviction of sin. John chapter 16 and verse 8, and when he comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And this is the particular sin that people need to repent from in order for them to be forgiven and be saved. Because people believe in their religion. People believe in their good works. People believe in, the, in their prayers. People believe in their religious rituals. People believe in their own effort. They don't believe in Christ. They say they believe in Christ. But in reality, when you ask them, what do you need to do? What do you believe you need to do in order for you to go to heaven? Most people will say, I need to go to church. I need to pray and do good works. But the Bible clearly says, no, that's not the way to salvation. Those things are good, but they're not good enough. For a person to go to heaven, he must repent from sin. What sin? The sin of not believing in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You need to change your mind concerning Christ. Christ has paid it all. He is the only way to the Father. And if you are not trusting in Christ, if you are not believing in Christ alone as your Savior, then you need to change your mind and stop believing in your religion, stop believing in your effort, stop believing in your attendance of, of going to church, of your good works and prayer, and then Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. Trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who will do that in the heart of those who will hear you preach the gospel. So when you preach the gospel, do it dependently. Depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, depend on the power of Scripture. Depend on the power of the gospel itself. The gospel itself, the gospel message, when preached accurately, is powerful. Listen to what Paul said. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. The Word of God is powerful. The Gospel is powerful. Remember this as Gospel preachers. Okay? The power does not lie in your eloquence, in your ability to speak. That's not where the power is. The power does not lie in your ability to convince people, in your ability to win an argument. No. The power lies in the, in, in the, in the Word of God. The power lies in the Gospel itself. So all we need to do really is proclaim the gospel as clearly as possible, as accurately as possible. All we need to do, the Spirit of God will take the gospel message, will take the Word of God, and He will do the work of God okay, to bring conviction of sin, to regenerate somebody's heart, and lead that person to salvation. He will do the work of God for the glory of God. Trust in the Spirit, 
trust in the gospel. Proclaim the gospel dependently. So if we are going to intentionally engage and evangelize the lost and the dying world, we need to pray to God fervently. We need to pursue the lost relentlessly and proclaim the gospel dependently. Number three, letter F. Okay, so L, okay, lovingly encourage and edify one another. I, intentionally engage and evangelize the world. Letter F, that is faithfully enthrone and exalt the Savior. This is worship. This is worship. What do we do? Delight yourself in and submit to the Lord. Psalm 14, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Do you delight in the Lord? Do you find joy in God? Do you delight to do His will? Do you delight in His word? And do you submit yourself to the authority of God, to the authority of God's word? Jesus gave us the example in John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Now think about this. When you think about food, do you hate food? I'm talking about good food. I'm talking about healthy food. I'm talking about delicious food. Nobody, nobody you know, we all love to eat, right? At least ako, I like to eat. So, ang iyang kalipay, ang iyang tinguha, okay? your desire for food. Jesus is saying, my desire, okay? in fact, he is equating it to his desire for something he needs. Like food. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And Jesus openly showed his delight in the Father. How? He went away to a quiet place and be alone with the Father. Okay? Because he delights in the Father. And he also openly showed his absolute surrender and submission to the Father. How? By his obedience to the Father's will, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. So delight yourself in and submit to the Lord. That's worship. That's responding to God for who He is and what He has done. That's praising Him. I mean, submitting to Him. Bowing down before Him. Worship. Falling down before Him in submission to Him. And then letter B. Devote yourself and sing to the Lord. Praise God. Okay, Psalm 95 verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 147 and verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is a good thing to do, for it is pleasant. And a song of praise is fitting. Angayan gyud nga daigo ng gino. Angayan siyang pasalamatan. He deserves it. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. I will sing your praise. So in our life group, okay, in our life group, we will seek, seek to lovingly encourage and edify one another. And together, okay, we will intentionally engage and evangelize the world. And then together in that small group community, we will enthrone and exalt our Savior as faithfully, you know, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. We will submit to His will. We will so surrender to His authority. And then we will sing to the Lord because it is fitting. It is a good thing. And He is worthy to be praised. Lastly, okay, lastly, letter E. Effectively equip and empower leaders. This is discipleship and mentorship. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, here's what we can read. And what you have heard, Paul said to Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you see here, you know, four generations, nagipasa nila ang ilahang nakatunan, they pass on the faith. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, faithful men to, you know, others. That's discipleship. That's mentorship as well. The principle is to follow. And this was modeled by Jesus and Paul. And that's what we need to apply in discipleship. In, in discipleship and mentorship, when we talk about equipping and empowering leaders, there are two levels. Number one is to mature the believers. And we do that relationally. So we say that be relational in maturing believers. So ang target ni mga group are believers. New believers, katong wala na disciple ng mga believers, and you need to look for fat people. And I mean fat people. Faithful, available, and teachable. When you see a fat person in the, in, in the church, na wala yung disciple no one is helping him in his faith, no one is helping him so he can grow spiritually, you bring that person along with you. Okay, If he's faithful, available, and teachable. Help that believer to mature. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Again, you know, in John chapter 1, verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. And to follow Christ, okay, implies that there is time. They need time together. And they need to allow Jesus to lead the way, to lead them. And they are to follow Him and learn from Him. That's the principle. If we are going to disciple you know, a, a faithful, available, and teachable believer, you, that demands time. And that demands commitment on both ends. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, He went up on a mountain and called to Him, those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, for what purpose? So that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. So, spend time. In other words, be relational. Don't just meet for Bible study. Discipleship is more than just a Bible study. Discipleship is more than just you know going through a discipleship course. Discipleship is life impacting another's life, another person's life. Life on life. It's influencing. It's inspiring. It's impacting that person to follow Jesus just like you are following Jesus Christ. That's discipleship, and that's necessary. You know, for a new believer to grow unto maturity. So in maturing believers, be relational. Secondly, be intentional in multiplying leaders. 
Again, let's go back to those verses nga itong gikot kaganina. This time, you don't just look for fat people. I want to suggest look for fast people. Faithful, available, and then skillful or spiritual or spiritually gifted. And then, of course, teachable. Again, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And he went up on the mountain and then, on Sigibod Jesus, he called to him whom he desired. He handpicked them. He chose them carefully. That he ca- and they came to him and he appointed the twelve. Unsa may purpose, nasa'y klaro nga intention, nasa'y klaro nga end goal, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach, to do the work of the Great Commission. And then go, going back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Again, you are being careful in selecting in whom you will invest your life. Because to mature a believer and to mentor a leader, you need to be relational and you need to be intentional. Because that requires investment of time, energy, and resources. You know, you're trying to influence someone. You're trying to inspire someone. You're trying to impact somebody else's life. So, if we want to effectively equip and empower believers and leaders, okay, we need to engage in discipleship and mentorship. We need to be relational in maturing believers, and we need to be intentional in mentoring or multiplying leaders. Life. Lovingly encourage and edify one another. Intentionally. Okay? Intentionally. In other words, purposefully. Okay? Kinalang planohan nyo. Plano gyo. Dili lang siya sulagma. Dili lang incidental, coincidental. No. Intentionally engage and evangelize the world. And then, Faithfully, letter F, faithfully enthrone and exalt the Savior. And lastly, effectively equip and empower believers or leaders. As we come to the conclusion, I cannot overemphasize the need for each one of us to be connected to a life group or a small group community. That's you know, that is necessary for us to grow spiritually. And it's the best environment for us to grow. Uh, I, I should say that's the best environment for us to grow spiritually. Okay, so we've talked about the good seed of the gospel. We've talked about, you know, the good seed of the gospel that needs to be sown in the good soil of our heart. We've talked about the climate. We've talked about the best environment, the good environment, and that is the small group community. As we connect, we must be committed. When we connect to a life group, we commit to enjoy life together. Dapat enjoy nato nga. Let us learn to have fun and to, you know, joyfully pursue those things. L-I-F-E. Okay? Together. To lovingly encourage and edify one another. Intentionally engage and evangelize the world to faithfully enthrone and exalt the Savior, to effectively equip and empower leaders. You're talking about a holistic approach. Because nakavar is our fellowship and ministry in the church, evangelism and missions, worship of God, discipleship and mentorship. And the good thing is, we are not alone. 
in this church family, by God's grace, we want to do our very best okay, to make sure that we will become a church, a spiritual family where nobody stands alone. We will, by God's grace, enjoy life together. Enjoy L-I-F-E together. So in application, decide in your heart right now to look for a small group you can connect with. Look for a life group. If you need help, you can contact me. You can contact you know, the leaders of this church, Brother Eric. You can contact Abraham. You can contact Meljun, Alisa, and Hazel. You can even contact Bernard. You know, if you want to connect to a small group, a life group community here in Grow Point, Dumagiri. I hope this has been encouraging. I hope that, you know, you learned something. But I hope, most of all, that this will excite you. It will give you excitement, you know, to look, to connect to a life group here in our church at Grow Point, Dumagiri. Thank you very much and God bless you all.